Hi, Nathaniel Cohen here, um, and I'm going to talk about my new combat rule. Yeah, new combat system that I made for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. It's rather simple to actually understand how it works. It's just there are some things that are a little bit different, a little bit uh, and just janky to begin with. So let's start by how combat actually works. Roll initiative is normal. Move is normal. Everything other than your actual attack roll. Um, and your armor class, or the same. Everything other than attacking, and that's the only difference. Attacking is really the only thing that has changed in this, other than magic. Magic has a little bit of a change. Um, You can include the magic rules if you want. You can include the item hit points if you want. But, aside from that, let's get started. So, to understand the attack, you need to know what you're rolling. If you are the attacker, there are two dice that you will roll. You will roll your attack roll and your damage roll. Um, The damage roll only if you succeed, obviously. So as the attacker, you you roll your attack die, which is normally different for every damage type with a weapon, and it's different from weapon to weapon now. So a spear, let's say... It has a 1d6 attack roll with piercing. Now, this is versatile, so it has a die up when you actually uh, use it to deal damage. So, with two hands. So, again, wield it with two hands, you get d8s rather than d6s. So, the uh, spear is... Not a bad option for a simple weapon, but the sickle only has a d4 for an attack roll. Now, this doesn't represent how effective they are at cutting. The damage roll is more so that. that That's how effective they are at dealing damage. The attack roll is actually how effective they are at getting past your opponent's defenses. Not Well, not really past their armor, but just past their weapons. Past their arms. Because... A sickle has severe disadvantage on a spear. Like, a spear is a very, very good weapon at defeating armaments. Because I can stab right between your arms, and I can hit you in the chest very easily like that. Um, And certain weapons have better attack rolls than others, just based on how agile they are. Now, a spear is not a very agile weapon at all. I will not claim any of them to be very agile. Well, I mean, I've seen some, but those that I have used myself are not super agile. And uh, they don't have a very high attack roll. Things like the, uh, the, um, the mace has a very high attack roll because a mace is actually a very agile weapon. They're quick. They're pretty manipulative, like you can move them around relatively easily compared to other weapons, they're very light, and they hit hard. Sure, that mace may only weigh three pounds, but it's going to wreck everything in its path. And yet again, like I said, it's fast. It's faster than a spear, and it has more reach than a sickle or a dagger. So, that's why a mace has a higher attack roll. And some of these other weapons, and a great club 
has even higher attack well not an even higher attack roll than the mace it has the same attack roll just higher damage than the mace and it also has a couple of new little properties stunning and concussive one stunning your opponent must make a uh, saving throw versus eight plus your well a constitution saving throw versus eight plus your strength modifier or else they are stunned for what I believe to be 1d4 rounds. Okay, now, they cause the stun condition for one turn. Now, that may not sound significant, but if you're dishing out a hit every turn and your enemy has a very low constitution score, you can keep dishing out stuns very easily. But, on the opposite end, your opponent can do the same thing. They could get a weapon such as the uh, maul and stun you nearly every turn, especially if they have high strength and you don't have a high constitution, such as if you were a wizard. Wizards would be very vulnerable to these attacks. Now, another thing I think is really cool is that certain weapons are more effective at getting past armor than others, and in various ways. Like the uh, the Maul has a very different way of getting past armor than, say, a uh, Warhammer or a Warpick does. The, well, not different from the Warhammer, but definitely different from the Warpick. The Warpick is meant to get into the gaps of armor. The Maul, it doesn't even really care if the armor's there. It has the uh, Concussive 3 property which is to where it deals a massive amount of damage, well, not massive, but it deals a great deal of damage without actually landing a proper hit on your opponent. It deals 1d8 bludgeoning plus the attacker's strength bonus, so up to 1d8 plus 5 damage from a hit that would normally miss. So if you don't dodge out of the way of a maul, you're typically going to be in a world of hurt. If you don't have a very high dexterity modifier, you're going to be hurting because of it. Now, um, weapons with less concussive properties, such as like the Morningstar. The Morningstar only has concussive 1, which allows it to only deal 1d4 plus your strength bonus. And along with these changes, some weapons have very fundamental changes. Well, not really fundamental, but... Just nuance changes, like the Arming Sword and the Bastard Sword. These are not two standard swords that have been in the DMG or the PHB. These are two that I've added myself because I feel that they needed to be there. Because one-handed swords aren't great at being two-handed... Well, one-handed swords aren't great at being two-handed swords, and two-handed swords aren't great at being one-handed swords. So therefore, the uh, Bastard Sword and Arming Sword were added... And bastard swords are obviously going to be better off wielded with two hands. Now, this is much like your standard D&D 5e longsword. Now, the longsword is more like what the greatsword is in standard. The longsword is actually what the greatsword was in standard edition. And I got rid of the longsword simply because the bastard sword took up the role and would probably have about the same damage dice when wielded with two hands as the the uh, longsword would have. So I just left it alone. Um, 
But besides that, the greatsword actually has some very interesting properties. Because it has a pretty solid attack die all across the board. It's standard slashing is 1d10, uh, bludgeoning is 1d10, and it's piercing is 1d8. Those are all solid attack dice. Now, its damage, however, is even more solid. Its standard slashing is 2d6. It's bludgeoning, 1d10. Yet its piercing is even greater than its slashing capabilities at 2d8. Now, a greatsword now also has reach, like it should. It has the stunning property, like the uh, maul and several other weapons do. And along with having reach, you do not get disadvantage for attacking opponents that are within 5 feet of you, because, again, it's a greatsword. It has edge from the guard to the point. And as such, if I'm cutting at you, you're going to get hurt pretty badly no matter where you're standing. The only thing that would give you disadvantage, which will give you disadvantage with almost every other weapon, is if your opponent is grappling with you. If they're within, like, one foot of you, your greatsword's next to useless. And armor has a very fundamental change as well. When your attack roll succeeds... So it goes over your opponent's parry roll. If they meet, um, no weapons take any damage. It's just you get bound up. Nobody wins. Now, armor has a very fundamental change because shields are no longer considered armor. They're actually considered weapons. Now, certain shields are much better at parrying certain attacks than others. Like, the buckler is probably a better idea to go with for uh, up-close and personal combat with lighter, more agile weapons than the common shield. Because the common shield, your opponent would have a plus two on their attack roll to get past your shield. Because it is simply not agile. Now, the buckler, however, is agile, and its parry roll is 1d10. Now, that makes it more effective than the uh, common shield because it's more likely to hit that 10, and on top of that, it has a plus 3 bonus. So, therefore, anywhere from 4 to 13 rather than 1 to 12. Much higher odds of getting that highest roll, and altogether, its average will be higher just because of the bonus. Now, one thing about this that could be a little bit confusing is the uh, armor checks. Now, once your opponent gets past your shield or your weapon, you must make an armor check. Armor checks are made with a standard D20, and the check value is actually different for every damage type, depending on your armor. Um, so let's look at plate armor. Um, it has a 4 all across the board on slashing, piercing, and bludgeoning, um, an 8 for fire, 13 for cold, 19 for lightning, 8 for acid, 7 for force, 12 for radiant, and 12 for necrotic damage. Now, the lower numbers are actually better, because it makes it much easier to succeed on your armor check. Now, how you make an armor check is 1d20 plus your proficiency. Yeah, 
the ability score related to your armor. If you're wearing medium armor, you can use your strength or dexterity bonus. Um, if you're proficient with your armor, you add your proficiency bonus. So 1d20 plus dex or strength plus your proficiency modifier, if applicable, minus your opponent's attack roll. And with that, it should be a relatively accurate representation of what it is like to be attacked. I mean, it isn't accurate to a T, but it is more accurate than the attack roll system. Because with this, the uh, plate, plate armor is much more effective than it has been. And I'm also trying to add in a different pricing system, but that'll be a long, long time from now. Well, maybe not a super long time from now, but it'll be after a while that I come up with that. And with my added realism, I've added hit points for every armor type, besides mage armor, because it's just magic. It's incorporeal. Well, it is corporeal, but it really isn't an object. It's just magical force. And all armor has its hit points tracked in D6s. All weapons are tracked in D4s, and shields are tracked in both. Because gargantuan shields, their hit points are tracked in D6s, everything else in D4s. <sighs> yeah, excuse me. Didn't mean to yawn there. So, uh, things like the gargantuan shield being bigger obviously has more hit points and I would suggest that you treat them as though like as your gargantuan shield gets worn down it start gets smaller yeah, starts getting smaller and smaller until it's a soldiering shield after a while and then it starts wearing down into a common shield and then once it drops down to the hit points of a buckler it's next to useless and uh top of this, on top of the hit point system, all weapons, um, once they reach zero hit points, they don't immediately break, but upon each successive hit, they make death saving throws just like creature, but only when being hit and cannot come yeah, back above zero hit points nor become stable unless they are properly repaired in the future. Um, they can fail three times, just like any other creature could, before becoming useless and broken. At this point, their only value is for metal and scrap. This is always evident to the user. While wearing plate or half-plate armor, after every death saving throw, roll a d20. Now, depending on what you roll, there are some very nasty debilitations, like... Um, reduction in speed, disadvantage on certain checks, blindness, so on and so forth. Um, and another thing, most armor is not going to be completely eviscerated without the user being likewise destroyed. You're not going to wear armor that's going to get chopped to pieces and not come out being chopped to pieces. And uh, another thing to really put that out there is that armor has weaknesses, resistances, and immunities like a lot of creatures. 
and uh, values listed in certain colors. You'll have to read this on the document. Values listed in certain colors mean that the armor is resistant. Um, well, if the value is red, it means the armor is weak to that damage. Or if it's listed in blue, it is immune to the damage type, as it might be protective against it, but be unfazed by it. Um, <laughs> say you're wearing plate armor, all the, all the lightning spell is going to do to your armor is just pass through it and into you, and cook you alive. And it's not going to be a pleasant time at all. And, uh, after your armor makes the three death saving throws, normally, um, its armor check is increased by four, or it is entirely destroyed. It isn't typical that your armor is not going to be, or is going to be destroyed without you being destroyed, but at the same time, it, at that point, it's half the value of the item or so to repair it. Just depends on your DM, how severe the damage is. And like this, um, all of this is really up to the DM. But if you are a DM, I recommend you play with this. It changes your experience with D&D completely. Your players will have to plan ahead what kind of weapons and armor they're going to wear to battle. Because if you're just wearing plate armor around all the time, you're very weak to lightning. Very weak to lightning. Lightning spells get a 19 to hit, or uh, 19 for your armor check. 19, that's horrible. That is horrifying to think about. And the lowest armor check for lightning is Gambison, which is your padded armor, which I don't think should impose stealth disadvantage, while I think leather should, because it creaks, it groans, um, and if it's leather scale, it's going to clatter really bad, while Gambison simply won't do that. And, uh, certain armors are just really effective at certain types of combat, like, um, Gambison. It's mostly better than plate against magic, but, uh, really you're just best off going with mage armor in general for, like, uh, anything other than plate, you're pretty well better off just going mage armor because you get eights all over the board, and, uh, Magic really is not super common in my campaign, but it might be in somebody else's. And it gives you 8 to all damage types. Force included. Lightning. Um, all that stuff. None of those damage types actually have any advantage on you. None of them have an advantage. Ever. So... I recommend you use this because it's simply fun to use. It's a lot more interesting than, oh, roll the d20. Oh, you hit. Or, oh, you get a critical hit. And in this case, if, you're, if you roll a 1 on your armor check, that is considered a critical hit because you failed to defend yourself properly. So, therefore, you get run through or whatever horrible maim the players decide to give you. So, till next time? Well, maybe I'm not leaving yet. 
Um, if you guys want to leave a comment on this, I'll leave a link in the description. If there's anything good or bad about this, you can go ahead and leave a recorded voice message. Or you can say so on the links that are provided for the Google Docs. Till next time, thank you guys. Bye-bye.